Well, good morning again. I've got a buddy up here with me. I'm going to get to him in just a second, but we are in the... <laughs> He's ready to go. Let's go. Um, so we are wrapping up a series that we've called Seasons, just looking at the different seasons of life, specifically the seasons of relationships that we find ourselves in over the course of a lifetime. We find ourselves in that single season sometimes, right? We, we encourage you guys that first week, like... Uh, Marriage is a wonderful thing, it's a beautiful thing, it's a gift from God, and yet it is not the pinnacle of the human existence. And so seek to grow and experience and grow the kingdom in your single season. There are things that God wants to accomplish through you. And we talked about dating and how, hey, we're citizens of a different kind of a kingdom. We're, we're citizens of heaven. So in our relationships, in our dating relationships, let's live like those citizens, right? Let, let's be a reflection of the kingdom we've been called to serve. And last week we talked about being married and how we need to serve each other, submit to one another, and, and elevate the needs of our spouse if we're going to experience what we want to experience in that relationship. And then today we wrap it up with a very um, interesting season that some of you have found yourselves in at some point in your lives. Some of you find yourself in right now. It's that season of starting over. For whatever reason, you're single again. For whatever reason, you're facing the eventual need to date again. It's not what you wanted, right? Nobody goes on their honeymoon thinking that they're ever going to have to start over again at the beginning of the process. That you thought that he would never leave you. You thought that she'd never give up on you. Or in your situation, maybe they were way too young to die. And there are stories that we know from even in our church family here of people experiencing those types of things. And, and those, usually we think of those stories as stories that other people live, right? Someone else is supposed to experience the starting over season, and yet here you are, starting over. And as with each week, we're, we're going to throw out some, some truths from Scripture that apply to this season of life, and then some practical things that I think can help you, or if not you, someone that you love, perhaps. And, but first, I want to start with our friend Harold. Uh, Harold is, uh, you're going to see him all over the place. You see Harold doing coffee stuff back there. Harold is one of our elders. Him and Connie are one of our elder couples here. Uh, Harold is a former pastor. Harold is a husband, a father, um, a former seminarian. Harold, uh, I mean, an arborist. Uh, I don't know if that's like uh, a hobby or something. It's called civical. Civic, civic culture. Civic culture. Civic culture. Okay, that's a brand new word to me. So, so there's... It's the art of growing trees out in, in forest. Okay, fantastic. Arborist is the guy who takes care of a tree in your backyard. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. If you walk out of here today with one thing, know the difference between arborist and civic... Culture. Culture-ist. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so the point is, we could go a lot of different directions with Harold's story. And this is one thing we like to do from time to time. We call them roots interviews, where a lot of times you don't get this kind of stuff sipping a coffee in the lobby or say, uh, shaking hands after a service. And so, this is a chance to hear a little bit of Harold's story. And there's a lot of different places we could go. He's got a military background, all kinds of different things. But, Harold, in addition to all of those different things that you have done and been a part of, You've also been a part of a divorce. I have. And so you have found yourself in the season of starting over. And so, yes. and so we just want to hear a little bit of your story. And, and I appreciate Harold being willing to be transparent with us this morning about what he's been through. And, and so, Harold, start off, just kind of tell us about your first marriage. How, how did that thing get rolling? You know, what was that experience from the at, outset? At this point, 
uh, I'll be honest with you, with these lights here, I can't see you. <laughs> uh, that's, and it's kind of, this, this is very personal for me, so it's kind of, it's kind of good I don't see you too much right now. It's just me and you up here, Harold. Is yeah, nobody just, else just the, the two yeah. of us here. Yeah. Just We've the got two a laugh track out there for when we say uh, something funny. It began like any others. I was 19 years old. I had just joined. I had met the young lady. Her name was Joyce. Uh, while uh, attending um, Mississippi State College for Women during a summer program under the National Science Foundation. Uh, she was one of the students there. She was a year older than I was. Um, and uh, we met. Uh, we, we continued. Uh, we dated some after the summer was over. Mm -hmm. uh, I had joined the military. We got married. Uh, five years later, we had a, a child, uh, Teresa, who I think has been here. Mm -hmm. um, and... I, I thought things were growing good. I had grown up in a liturgical church, um, but when I was 13, my parents had gotten a divorce. Now, the liturgical church really didn't have much for sin. Um, they didn't deal with it a lot. But in my life, there was one sin, just one. That was the sin of divorce because hmm. I'd lived through that. That's why we'd waited five years to make sure the marriage was going to last. And uh, she came and told me, and she came and told me in November. Let me ask you this: At this point, as you, how long had you been married before eight years. this? Eight years. Eight years before this conversation. Before that was this coming. conversation okay. came up here, yeah. uh, we were in the hall. She looked at me and said, "I don't love you anymore." Hmm. Um, I'll be honest with you: my my love is a commitment. It's not just a feeling, it's a commitment. Mm -hmm. And I just fell down right there on the floor and just cried. I just fell apart. Was this, was this totally out of the blue for you? Was it was for me, yes. Okay. I, was, I was totally unaware. You know, I thought everything was going good, you know. Uh, I was in college. We had a future studying civic culture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we... Uh, you know, at college, after college, I was going to get a job, work for National um, Park Service, mm -hmm. forestry. There's all kinds of jobs out sure. there, you know, growing trees, cutting trees down, hauling them off, mm -hmm. making lumber out of them. I mean, everybody needs some of those, park ranger, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And, it's, you know, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Uh, we were buying a house. Um, How old was your daughter at this point? She was one. Okay. She was one so, at this yeah, moment. Yeah, pretty young. Um, the next November, I moved out. I can't tell you how lonely I felt. Hmm. Rejected, unloved, unwanted. Not only that, but for the first time in my life, I was a real sinner. Because you only got one sin, it's easy, you know, just avoid that one thing and yeah. you're set. But yeah, the one here, thing that you had built up in your mind is if, if all else fails, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm not, not, not going to do that. Yeah. And you don't always get a choice. See, it takes two people to get married. You've done a few weddings. Mm -hmm. It takes two people to get married, not just one walk down the aisle. And then they walk back down together. But it takes only one to end it. 
no matter how hard you try. A few months after that November, the judge came down, the gavel came down. I got possession of the little girl, but the marriage was over. And I was just devastated. Yeah. So you're feeling all of those things. All of those things. And now you uh, ended up in an apartment. I ended correct? up in a small apartment um, two days before Christmas. I, I can't tell you. I wish I could tell you the words to tell you how lonely I felt, how bad I felt, mm -hmm. rejected. The one person that said they would love me forever didn't. Now you're starting over. And uh, the lady that lived kitty-cornered away from my apartment. This is going to be a lonely Christmas this year. And uh, she knocked on my door. She brought me a fresh, hot, sweet potato pie. That's southern for you. And you said, will you marry me? No. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. She was my, she was about old as I am now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I was a young dude then. I was 27 years old. Okay. And it was still warm. I mean, warm. Fill the air. You could smell it. And I set it down on the little table. Wasn't much bigger than this. Just table for two. I took a step away from that table and I thought I thought I hadn't thought in, in a long long time seemed like forever is that someone out there loves me hmm. don't know where that thought came from then I took another thought another step and had another thought and at that and that was that God loves me I had never thought that thought before don't know where it came from but at that precise moment he hugged me he hugged me inside he felt it inside I felt it outside I was surrounded with eternity for a moment hmm. and he said I love you he said I forgive you Justin, it was more than just words. It was a promise. You could feel it in the voice of eternity. My life changed in that moment. I began searching for the God who loved me and forgave me. I would hope that for everyone. Yeah. So you, you told me part of your story where um, after that pivotal moment, it wasn't, wasn't perfection from there, right? You still had your, your strong moments and your weak moments. You told me another story about how you ended up in a bar. <sighs> yes, I did. That. You want to share this one? <laughs> uh, I, you've asked. Um, it's on my the, paper. I'm supposed to ask about the bar, Harold. All right. I, I know, but it's not one of my prouder moments. Uh, yeah. All right. I, 
I've never been to a and, bar, so I'm curious to see what even happens. <laughs> what even happens in this type of a scenario? Uh, all right, so here's, here's how that came down. In that spring, I gave my life to God. I thought of everything I owned, everything I'd lost, including my little girl, and I was sitting in the union at Mississippi State College where I was going to college at studying civil culture. That's right. And in my mind is a table not much bigger than this. I, I pushed everything in the middle and it was for me and God. I thought of everything I lost, everything I had, everything, everything, all laid out on the table, and I said, Lord, do with me as you would to make me into what you want me to be. Hmm. Nothing held back. He's still faithful on that. I'm stubborn, so we're together we're okay. Hmm. Uh, and I got that. But then I got, you know, I got kind of lonely. That's a nice way of saying it. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I put clean sheets on the bed, made sure I had breakfast, food, and the house was clean. In case some of you were wondering, ask your parents. Uh, and I went down to the local bar. And, um, well, it's a local bar. So I, I ordered the same drink I did when I was much lost. I ordered a rum and coke, and I sat there. You know, and I wasn't really, I was kind of nervous, really kind of nervous. It was, you know, this wasn't my usual scene. I'd gotten to be a regular churchgoer now. Hmm. And uh, I said, you know, thinking to myself, what do I do now? And, the, and that God spoke to me, same voice as before. And he said, which one do you want? Dang, that's never happened before in a place like this, especially. But I am not one to miss an opportunity. So I spun around in my chair, and I, and I went over the room very carefully. There wasn't one. The truth of the matter is... I wasn't there for someone to like me. I wasn't looking for someone to like me. A friend with benefits or anything close to that. What I wanted was to be loved, warts and all. Someone to say, I love you, period. Nothing held back. Mm -hmm. Just me, warts and all, to be loved. I'd been broken. Then the voice spoke to me again and said, let's go home. Mm. And I said, yes, Lord. Because what I wanted wasn't there. What I really wanted was to be loved. Again. For real. Yeah. That's good. Harold, thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, can we can we thank Carol? This is, I, I know one of the things. Um, here, I'll take it. We we talk about uh, you know transparency is one of those words that gets thrown around in church world, and and just so you know, every relationship you have 
is not ready for transparency, right? Uh, you show up at the coffee bar, hey, how was your week? I cheated on my wife this week. How was yours? You know, like, <laughs> there's a difference between authenticity and transparency, and yet uh, I appreciate Harold for kind of modeling this morning, in the midst of everything else for the talk today, the power of not being transparent everywhere, but having somewhere where you can be transparent and be held accountable and share your story and to love and be loved. And uh, I, I just appreciate Harold and Connie and, and just the example they've given in so many different ways. And, and Harold, thanks for, for sharing your story this morning. You're welcome. Yeah, and, and he's got a, there's way more to his story than just this part of it. And so if you, if you would like to definitely get some time with Harold. He, he loves to get coffee and lunch and all that kind of stuff, so... Harold, thank you, brother. Um, I want you to know that as your pastor, I knew how that story was going to end before I asked about it. So you're like, wait a minute, what did, what's Harold going to say? I knew what he's going to say. Don't worry. Don't worry. We have it. We have it. Um, so uh, there's a couple things that, that I'd love to throw out. Um, like I said, partly from just the biblical perspective and then maybe some practical things if you find yourself starting over. And, and like we've said every week, starting over is different for everyone who's starting over, just like being single is different for everyone who's single and dating is different for everyone who's dating. And being married at 23 is different than being married at 83. And so, and so we, we certainly want to contextualize this and Harold's story is powerful and, and I love the way God moved. But if you find yourself starting over, there's a few things I need you to walk out of here knowing today. Okay? First thing is this. Romans 8.1, it says, Therefore now, if anyone is in Christ... There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For anything that you have experienced, anything that you have lived, anything that you have done. If you have given your heart to Jesus, if you have given your life to Jesus, God doesn't look at you and see your sin. He looks at you and he sees Jesus. And he sees his sacrifice on the cross. He sees his blood covering your sin. He doesn't look at you and see your sin. He doesn't condemn you. You are freed from that. You don't have to carry the guilt. You don't have to carry the shame. You don't have to carry the regret. You don't have to avoid a conversation with God or resist his healing because he doesn't look at you and see sin. In Christ, there is no condemnation for anything you've experienced, lived, or done. And so that's the first thing I'd say. And if, and if you're sitting here, you don't, I don't know if I've given my heart to Jesus. I don't know if I've given my life to Jesus. Let's have a conversation because that's where it starts. Second thing I'd say is this, and this one is super, super important. You and your pain have a soft spot in God's heart. All over Scripture are truths and reminders about how God feels about people in vulnerable situations, people in starting over type seasons. All over the Old Testament law, there are protections for widows and others like them. Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 18 says, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. And what does this great, awesome God do with that power? Well, it says that he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And there are all kinds of amendments and accommodations throughout these laws that, that provide protection for those who have experienced loss, for those who are vulnerable, for those 
who need to be protected and cared for. Now, some of those amendments and some of the laws that we find in those first five books of the Bible, we're going to look at it and go, that's weird. Why is that a rule? Like, why is... Some of it is very much for their time and culture, but it was all to express concern and care for those who might otherwise be lost and alone. Even God's very strong stance on divorce that we find in the Old Testament. Much of that was to keep men from willy-nilly kicking their wives to the curb. So many of God's Old Testament laws made special provisions for those types of individuals. It protected them, it protected their land, and it gave serious warnings to anyone who would take advantage of them. We see that same theme throughout the Old Testament. Psalm 68.5 describes God as a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widows. Jesus doubles down on it throughout the Gospels, and then we see it later in the New Testament letters. James 1 talks about how your faith, your religion, your love for God that you proclaim outwardly isn't nearly complete unless you're caring for widows and for orphans. And you say, okay, Justin, I'm not a widow. I'm not an orphan, right? I haven't lived that long. I'd say, okay, fine. Well, that's not even what this is about. We're not talking about specifics, right? We're talking, we have to contextualize for what God is saying and what our lives mean. So, so go read about Ruth and Boaz. Go read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. If you've experienced the loss of someone you love, read Psalm 116.5, where it talks about God being intimately aware and personally involved in the loss and the passing of his people. God clearly has a soft spot in his heart for those who are down, for those who are weak, for those who are lacking, for those who are hurting and broken and confused and in mourning, for those who couldn't anticipate the season that they're in, for those who wouldn't choose the season they're in, for those who could not prepare for the starting over season that they're in. You are the sparrow. You are the lily of the field. You and your personal situation forever have a soft spot in the heart of God. Third thing I'd say as an encouragement, third truth from Scripture when it comes to this starting over season is this. No matter your past, no matter your present, God is lovingly shaping you into something unique, something special. Check out Philippians 1.6. He, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Isaiah 64.8 says, You, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all a work of your hand. This, this verse comes after a declaration there in Isaiah, a declaration of their weaknesses and their sin and their faults. And it says, God, you, that, here's this, this broken lump of clay. Mold it. Shape it how you see fit. Romans 8, 28 and 29, a passage we go back to so often, says, but we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And what's Our purpose, what's his purpose for us? Well, it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He's working things out for our good, and our good is to be made more and more like Christ. And so nothing you're walking through can change God's desire to transform you. No matter your past, no matter your present, God is lovingly shaping you into something special, something unique. 
if you find yourself in this season of starting over. A couple things I would encourage you with, just some practical things. And, and just like every uh, week of this series, no, no Bible verses attached to any of these two or three things, and yet I think that we could find them in Scripture pretty easily if we, if we needed to. And the, the first one I'd say is this. If you find yourself starting over, and, and we need to expand this, right? Contextualize, because that starting over doesn't just mean divorced looking at the future. It doesn't just mean widowed and looking at the future. It might mean that the job you've had for 30 years was ripped out from under you. It might mean that your family has been split apart. It might mean that you've been sent across the country for various... It might mean that for whatever reason you find yourself in the season of starting over. So find this place in your life where these apply. The first thing I'd say is this. Don't be afraid to mourn. Don't be afraid to mourn. No matter how the marriage ended, Something died. Something that was born, something that grew and matured, something that you loved and depended on, something you created memories as a part of, something that was part of your everyday life and routine, and that something ended. It doesn't exist anymore. It died. Mourn that loss with the same emotional expression, with the same patience, with the same help and support, with the same gravity as any other loss, as any other death. Harold, when we were at lunch a couple weeks ago, he, he made this statement. He said, no one knows what to say at the death of a marriage. Right? You, you don't gather your friends and family and, and, and give eulogies and, and share uh, thoughts on, oh, I just... I loved how that marriage used to make me laugh and all the silly things that marriage used to do and say, right, we, we don't have those moments for the end. And yet, something died. Something very real, something very alive has ended. And so ne to neglect that process of mourning is to neglect the process of healing. It's tough. It's awkward. But don't be afraid to mourn. I want to throw out a, a website for you to check out. I came across this in my study um, uh, this is a woman who lost her husband far too soon. And I know that not everyone who's starting over has, has been widowed and things, but if you find yourself in that situation, this woman, Lisa Apello, um, go to that website and read about their story, how she lost her husband and how she's starting to put the pieces together. We'll leave that up there for a few minutes there, Talon, so they can write that down. LisaApello.com slash our story. Make sure you take a look at that. I, I found that as someone who has not walked through that type of a starting over season. I was very moved by her story, very moved by it. She's got different blog posts and articles on there that just kind of walk through, hey, I'm feeling this. How, what, what was your response in this time, this season? How did you start over in this way? I would really encourage you to check out her story if you are in that starting over season. So don't be afraid to mourn. Second thing I'd say is this. Move forward with scars not open wounds. Move forward with scars, not over wounds. Now, you're never going to be over it, right? But don't move to the next opportunity until you've had time to heal. Heal through counseling and support, maybe grief counseling, maybe divorce care, maybe giving yourself time to learn and reflect on what you've experienced. Maybe there's some things to confess that you've experienced in your past time to grow, especially if you're ever anticipating that you're going to date again. You need to be a healthy single again first. And in the midst of that, don't forget about spiritual growth, the ability to see God in the story. Don't settle for a temporary relief of the pain. 
you'll just end up carrying your wounds into the next thing that you jump into. Right? Secular statistics will say second marriages end at a higher rate than first marriages. And I think a lot of that is people bring the wounds into the next opportunity. Give yourself time to heal. Move forward with scars, not open wounds. And the third thing I'd say is this, and Brian and Mary are going to come and do one special song for us as an encouragement this morning. I'd say, know your true identity. Who am I now? Right? I'm, I'm starting over. Know your true identity. You have experienced brokenness, but you are not beyond repair. God's heart is broken for you and for your loss and even for your sin, if that's a part of it, but God's heart is not done with you. And although it's not the path you would have chosen, you can, ex- you can still experience beauty in the midst of this season. So don't put yourself in a box, because that's what we tend to do, right? I am blank, and so now I have to be blank. I am divorced, and so now I have to be shunned. I have to be ashamed. I have to carry guilt. I have to wear that scarlet letter. I'm divorced, so now I have to avoid family-focused churches. I have to stay single the rest of my life. That's a conversation, right? We've talked about divorce before. Don't form your whole uh, idea of where we're at. That's a whole other conversation. But there's a conversation there, right? Don't, don't put yourself in that box. I am a widow, and so now I have to be sad every day for the rest of my life. Now I have to stay single and remain faithful to my dead spouse. Don't put yourself in a box based on something that you've experienced. The only thing that you are is what Jesus says about you. The only thing that you are is what Jesus says about you. Everything else is either temporary or wrong. And Jesus says that you are loved. And Jesus says that you are cared for and that you are guarded, protected, and fought for here on earth and at the very throne of heaven. Jesus says that you are heard and that you are valued and that you are a child of God and that you are forgiven and free in Christ Jesus says that in Christ, you are the light of the world and that you, as a broken vessel, a jar of clay, get to carry around an eternal treasure. He says that you are the beautiful feet that take good news. He says that you are made in the image of God on the outside and the inside. He says that you are a temple for the Holy Spirit. Just because you have experienced something been through something, just because you're in a season of starting over for whatever reason in whatever context, doesn't mean you have to put yourself in a box of untrue things. Know your true identity. You are the sparrow. You are the lily of the field. Let's listen. And why should the shadows come? And why should my heart feel lonely and alone? 
Just like every season that we've talked about, single, dating, married, starting over, embrace the season that he has you in. Maybe you 
wouldn't have chosen to be in this season. And yet allow him to use you in this season. Allow him to mold you and shape you and prepare you for the next season. But in this season, allow him to use you. He can do big things. Should you find yourself in a spot where you just need help processing, right? Processing things that you've experienced, maybe processing some potential next steps for your life. We'd love to chat with you, right? It could be me. We've got a lot of lot smarter people around here than me, people who have maybe been where you have been. We have people here who have been where you are, and they have experienced Jesus in the midst of it, in some cases as a result of it, okay? We've got some great elders, uh, a great elder team who would love to chat with you, pray with you, grab coffee with you, buy you lunch, whatever that needs to look like, um, please reach out. We've got the connection cards that we mentioned earlier. Uh, you can feel free to please email me, justin at fieldstonechurch.org. We'd love to chat or get you connected with, with the right person. Um, and of course, we would love to pray. If you throw things down on those connection cards, we've got a team that prays for those. We, we pray as a staff on Tuesday mornings. We've got a prayer team that covers those. Um, and then, of course, at 1025 every single week, right between services, uh, we've got a group that likes to gather up here in front of the stage and just pray over some of the needs of, of our church and of some of the individuals in that group. So feel free to take advantage of that. We don't want to leave you hanging. Okay? If you find yourself starting over, um, let's talk. Let's, let's make sure you're headed in the right direction. Let me pray for you, and then we'll be out of here. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you um, that your eye is on the sparrow and that you clothe the lilies of the field and Father, that's exactly who we are, the most vulnerable, the most in need, the most lost and afraid. And so God, for any here today who feel that emotion, who are feeling that weight, who are struggling in the season of starting over, knowing who they used to be, not sure who they are now, not sure who they're supposed to be, God, we know you want to meet them right where they're at. So we pray that you would minister to those hearts and begin that process of healing and growth, and restoration. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon.